Hey guys, I'm Jono. Nice to see you. I've probably met most of you. We're going to have a good time tonight. Now, have you guys ever seen one of those movies, right, where we are the bad guys? I don't know if you've seen those movies. You, you kind of, you're watching it and then suddenly it dawns on you, hang on a second, humans aren't the good guys, we're, we're the bad guys and it really freaks you out. Now, uh, one movie like that is District 9. I'm not suggesting all of you should see it because it might be a bit old for some of you. Um, but in District 9, it's like this classic aliens invading the world kind of movie where you're like, you see a preview for it and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to see some humans nail some aliens and it's going to be good, they're going to beat them up and it's going to be heaps good and you're kind of like backing the humans, right? But then as you watch the movie, like you're slowly just, you're watching and you're watching like, hang on a second, we're the bad guys, these aliens haven't done anything wrong. They're actually trapped on Earth and they're like in a prison camp and the humans are being the jerks. They're the ones who are like oppressing them and mistreating them and the humans are the bad guys. We're the bad guys. And a really clever thing that District 9 does is actually is like a comment on actually how humans can sometimes treat each other, right? But here's the thing. What if I told you that tonight's passage that Jake just read out for us, what if I told you that tonight the message is this... We're the bad guys. We're our own worst enemies. And all the evil, all the problems in the world, the bad stuff, well, that doesn't come from out there, necessarily, but actually it ultimately comes from in here. The source of evil is actually our own hearts. That's what tonight's passage is going to show us. And so, guys, I've got to say, I've got to warn you just straight up, all right? This is actually a really heavy part of the Bible, it's going to be a bit of a heavy time as we look at it together. And so I want to warn you to listen and hear what it says, but know in advance, it's actually going to say some heavy stuff. And I don't know where you're at with all of this, and you might be expecting something like that, or you might have come to a fun-looking night, and you're just like, whoa, there's some crazy stuff that's been said here. But I want you guys to know, I want you to have fair warning. But I do want to say this, just because something is heavy or hard to hear or a bit confronting... What well, doesn't make it not true, and it certainly doesn't make it not relevant. I want to suggest that if the things that we see in this passage tonight are true, well, then they're very important things you've got to get your head around. Hugely significant stuff we're going to be looking at tonight. And so I'm actually going to pray again, and then we're going to dig into the Bible together. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, please, I pray that you would speak to us through your word tonight, and if there's stuff tonight that's a bit shocking and a bit hard to hear, I pray that you'd help us to receive it well. Father, please help us to listen to your word, even when it's got heavy stuff to say, and I pray that that would be the case tonight. So please speak to us, challenge us, and point us toward Jesus. Amen. All right, I've got a few things I want you guys to see in this passage. One of them straight up is this. It's from kind of verses 14 to 20, which is how I got our Bible reading wrong probably. But from verses 14 to 20, here it is. Evil comes from inside people. Now, it might be that you've been around the Bible and Christian stuff long enough for that to be a kind of thing that just kind of washes over and you're like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Evil comes from in people. But guys, that's devastating. Did you hear what's just been said? Evil comes from within us. It's not a thing that is imposed on us from the outside. It's actually, the source of it is actually from our hearts. Have a look at verse 14. Jesus says it right there. He kind of picks it up. He's talking to a crowd and he says, hey, listen to me, everyone, and understand this, verse 15, nothing outside a person 
can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. Now, he's going to use that word defiled a few times in this passage. Something that's defiled is something that's not clean before God. So I don't mean it's physically dirty, like it's a bit messy. No, no, it's actually a thing that when God sees it in us, he sees our, un, our sinfulness in us, we're defiled, we're not clean, we're not right with God. Imagine someone who's like filthy, right, covered in poo and muck and grime and stuff like that. That's what a defiled person is like spiritually before God. Sorry, now this isn't a picture of some unfortunate kid. This is from a movie called Slumdog Millionaire. Fell in a pile of poo in the movie. Anyway, we'll, we'll get the slide off because it'll distract us. So that's what a person is like spiritually before God if they're defiled. And, and Jesus says here that the thing that defiles a person, it's not the things that are kind of like, you know, going into them from the outside, what they eat, what they touch, all that kind of stuff. It's actually their actions, what they do, what they say, what they think, what they do. But those things, get this, they come from within us. Those things flow out of our hearts from what we're really like. And Jesus is saying that's what will make a person defiled, unclean before God. Now, the disciples don't quite get it yet, and so they ask Jesus later, hey, what did you mean by that? In verse 18, he tells them again, he has another swing at it, says it a bit of a different way. Look at verse 18, Jesus says, guys, are you so dull? He's like, come on, guys, get this right. He said, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them, for it doesn't go into their heart. Now, when he says heart, he means like the center of who they are, their mind, who they are at the center, not like, you know, right ventricle kind of stuff, right? Uh, I've lost it. Enter the person from the outside, can't default them. It doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then back out of the body again. And in saying this, Jesus declared, all food's clean. So you've got a little bit of a, like, eating and pooping lesson from Jesus there, right? <laughs> it's pretty simple stuff. He says, when you eat food, it goes in your belly, and then you poop it out later on, and it's gone. And that doesn't really matter. That's not going to make you unclean, right? It's like when your dog eats one of your socks around the house. You're like, I oh, know I'm going to see that sock again. It's going to be gross when I find it next time, but I'll see it again. It'll, it'll come back out. Jesus is saying, forget about what's going into you and just coming out of you, pooping. Worry about what's really on the inside, who you really are. Now, picture two tubes of toothpaste, right? You've got one tube of toothpaste, and on the outside, it's kind of all grimy and yuck, a bit, you know, a bit, I don't know, it looks like it's been rolled around in the mud, and you look at it, and you're like, that's pretty gross. But you give it a squeeze, and out comes nice, pristine, sparkly white toothpaste that you can brush your teeth with. It's minty fresh, and like, that's good toothpaste. Imagine another tube of toothpaste, right? Um, and it looks pretty clean, like someone's given it a wash, and you're like, this looks like it could be good toothpaste. But then you give it a squeeze, and out comes like this sludgy, kind of poo-smelly kind of stuff, and it just kind of falls onto your brush. You're like, that's some bad toothpaste. Jesus is saying we're a little bit like that. It doesn't really matter what's going on on the outside, He's worried about what's on the inside. And the problem is that he's saying, well, evil actually comes out from our inside. And so what this means is this, guys, you can't hide from God. You can't hide from him. You can't trick him. So God isn't interested in external religion, coming to youth, praying because everyone else is, singing because I suppose we should, other people are as well, whatever it is, do it, just kind of walk in the walk, following what's going on around you while your heart is far from God. God is not interested in that. He's not, 
He doesn't care about the person who's just pretending to be a Christian and just following what all the religious people around him are doing. He's not interested in that. God's concerned about your heart and how what's in your heart comes out in your actions and what you say and what you do and what you think, who you really are. That's what God's concerned with. And so the first thing is this, evil in the world comes from inside of us, inside of people. Now that's heavy enough on its own, but here's the second thing I want us to hear tonight, and this really kind of just tips it over into being heavy days. Here it is, all of us actually have evil inside of us. See, it's one thing just to say, yeah, yeah, people are evil, so when people do naughty things or bad things, when there is some evil people in the world, well, that's because it comes out of their heart. That's one thing to hear. But actually to hear this, that actually all of us have evil in us, well, that's a whole other thing. This isn't just about the people in the world that you assume are naughtier than you and worse than you. This is about you. This is about me. Look at verse 20. Jesus says it one more time as he goes on. He went on, what comes out of a person, the stuff that flows out of their heart, that's what defiles them. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that comes evil thoughts. And he goes on to give us this big list, right? He's going to give us a list of all the, the possible things that might come out of a person's heart. And as we hear this list, you've got to recognize that Jesus has, has nailed us at this point. He's got us pinned. Listen to this list as Jesus says it in verse um, 21 as it reads on and just see if you can see yourself here because I'm sure you'll see yourself somewhere. Listen to this list. First of all, sexual immorality, sleeping around with people you're not married to, porn, those secret thoughts that only you have. Just from that one alone, I reckon Jesus has got most of us in the room, sexual immorality, but he keeps on going. Theft, and maybe you've never stolen anyone's wallet before, right? But... Um, maybe you have, I don't know, but um, have you streamed TV, um, music, TV shows, you know, movies illegally that weren't yours to stream, you didn't pay for? That's theft. That's on this list as well. Murder. Now, I hope none of you are murderers, but Jesus points out in Matthew chapter 6 that actually murder is a thing that we do in our hearts when we hate our brother or sister. And so maybe murder is a little closer to us than we might think. And then he goes on, adultery. Now, that's not just being an adult, right? It's not like I'm guilty of adultery because I'm old. No, no. Adultery is sex with someone who's not your wife. And you might say, I probably haven't done that. But that's also something you can do in your heart, in your mind. He says it in Matthew chapter 6. Might be a bit closer to home than you think. Greed, the desire for more and more and more. I don't know about you, but why is it that when you buy that one more Xbox game, you don't go, oh, I'm done now. But instead you go, I wonder when I could buy my next Xbox game or whatever the heck it is that you like buying. Because we're not satisfied with what we have and we want more and we want more and we want more. And that's greed, malice, which is just hatred, deceit, that's lying. Um, it could be the small lies you tell that just make people like you that little bit more. It doesn't have to be a big, huge deception. Lying, simple stuff. Lewdness, that's just being crude. It's just being rude in the jokes that you make, in the things that you laugh at that actually you should be offended by. Um, envy, wanting what's not yours to have. Slander, that's a fancy word for bagging other people out behind their back or in front of them, bringing them down. Arrogance. When you kind of just walk around thinking to yourself you're a little bit better than everyone around you 
assuming that you're right and others are wrong because, well, you're just more clever than everyone else. Folly. That's not just being silly. That's the stupid stuff people can get up to when they're drunk and stuff like that. I think lists like this in the Bible, there's a whole bunch of them, sometimes they're kind of lost on us because for some reason the Bible translators are using these words which are a bit funny to us. It sounds like a, I don't know, 18th century professor talking about stuff. But we should just write these lists and it should just be like, being a jerk, being a dirtbag, and we'll be like, oh, this is me, I get it, right? Um, it'll get all of us if we understand what it's actually saying. And so honestly, who isn't on this list tonight? Who in this room would honestly say, I've never been that, one of those things? I sat down and looked at that list today and I was like, you know, I'll, I'll honestly think about my own life for a second. And it wasn't like I was like, ah, oh, you got me on one little rule there, Jesus. At one point in my life, one way or another, whether by thought or by action, I'm actually guilty of every single one of the things on this list. Honestly sat down and thought about my life today and I was like, well, I've, I've done all of these things. All of us have evil inside of us. And the proof of that is that these sort of things flow out of our hearts into our actions and into our thoughts. And so the incredibly heavy thing that Jesus is saying here is that your heart is dark. It's sick with sin. Imagine you had a GoPro. Now, this is an illustration that's been used a few times, but it's a good one. Imagine you had a GoPro strapped to your head for your whole life. And so it recorded everything you ever did, everything you ever saw... But not only that, the GoPro could like read your mind and so it kind of like puts your thoughts as like the background to this film of your whole life, right? Just honestly think about that movie for a second. All the things you did when you're alone, when no one else is around, all the things you thought that no one else knew about, turn that into a movie. And then imagine like just sticking it up on this screen for us all to just have a, you know, we can watch that instead of some Pixar short films later, we'll watch that movie later on tonight. Is there anyone in this room who wouldn't be horrified to have that movie play. I wouldn't be willing to let you guys watch a week of my life, let alone the whole thing. Now, I think we get used to the things we do and the things we think and who we really are because we just kind of suppress it and we keep it to ourselves. But here's the thing. God actually sees everything. He knows your thoughts. He he knows the secret things that we do and he sees it all. And Jesus' point is, that stuff, what's in our heart and the way it comes out in our actions and our thoughts, that's what makes us unclean before God. And so can you see how serious the human problem is, how serious sin is? It's massive. Now, guys, if you're feeling crushed by the stuff that you're hearing in Jesus' words tonight, um, then I want to say... That's a good thing. That's actually a good thing. That's an opportunity that you shouldn't waste because if you feel the weight of your sin properly, perhaps even for the first time, that's not just a downer for no reason. That's an opportunity to actually realise the situation you're in and so find a way out of it. Seek forgiveness from God. And so don't ignore the way you're feeling. If you're starting to feel guilt as you start to reflect on your life and even just this short list from Jesus here, if you feel guilt about that, that's an opportunity, so don't waste it. 
Now, before we move on to our last point tonight, I want to just apply the stuff we've already seen. And so I'm going to do that now. And so the first thing I want us to do tonight is this. Recognize your need for a saviour. See, Jesus isn't saying this stuff here in Mark chapter 7 just because he's like a, like a jerk. He's just kind of trying to bring us down. He's not like that sarcastic, smart friend you've got who's like really good at saying stuff that kind of cuts you down and makes you feel bad. No, no. He's telling you this. So you'd recognize your helplessness in your sin and so that you would seek the saviour. So you'd actually find your rescue in Jesus. Now, I'm going to come back to that in our last point. But the second thing is this, guys. Even Christians, even when you become a Christian, you will never be completely rid of your sinful hearts. I'm sorry to tell you this, but that's actually going to stick around to the end. I remember being a Christian and I was a bit younger and I kind of looked around at the older Christians around me and I was like, I can't wait till I grow up and kind of grow out of being sinful. Like, that's going to be really nice when that happens. And look at older Christians, married, crew, old, you know, grandparents, whatever. Like, it's going to be nice when I kind of get over being sinful, like my hair falls out and suddenly, I don't know, I'm not sinful anymore. But that's not how it works. I've been there. It doesn't just go away. If you've got Christian grandparents, they still struggle with sin in a real and deep and painful way, not just in a, oh, I should have shared my cup of tea with grandma or whatever. No, no, really you will struggle to the end because the sinful part of your heart will never be gone this side of heaven. So recognize that. That's a downer, but the good news is God has put his spirit in all those who are Christians. And so there's actually the ability for change and growth and progress, but still the sinful heart remains. Third thing though, guys, have a healthy distrust of your own hearts. That might sound a little bit weird, but I think sometimes we actually trust ourselves way too much. And so you think to yourself, you know, I'm going to go sleep over at my Christian boyfriend's house. We're both Christians. We'll have separate rooms, separate beds or whatever. We're we're going to try and be godly. I'm sure it'll be fine. And we assume the best of ourselves, sometimes maybe when we shouldn't. And what what we find is sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we shouldn't have put ourselves in in the first place. And suddenly we're making mistakes that we never thought we were capable of. But we fall. And you guys think I'm just trying to like, like a scaremonger or whatever and just kind of freak you out. I'm not making stuff up. People really do make big mistakes that they had no idea they were capable of. And so a healthy distrust of the sinfulness in your own heart will actually help to guard against that kind of stuff. Guys, I went to Bible college, I'll give you another example, I went to Bible college with like hundreds of other like Christians who are going to go lead in churches all over Australia. And in that place, the common practice that we had for all of us at Bible college was that we'd put software on our computers that means that we've got a friend who'll get an email that will tell them all the stuff I've been looking at on my computer. And that's what everyone did at Bible college, that's just, that was the normal thing to do. And the reason was we had a healthy distrust of our own hearts. It wasn't because someone was making us, it was because we wanted to be godly, right? And I've had that software on my computer for almost like a decade now, almost like 10 years. And the reason is, <laughs> I know my heart and I don't trust it. And so if you think you should trust your heart more than that, then maybe you're just thinking too highly of your own heart. So Christian maturity doesn't mean growing out of being sinful as if that's going to happen one day. It means actually knowing your sinfulness, clearly owning it, 
and not trusting your heart more than you should so that you can actually start to make decisions which will lead to being godly and not falling and not sinning. Don't trust your hearts more than you should. Don't go to that party where you think it'll probably be all right, but you know you might be quite tempted to get drunk anyway. Don't hang out with that group of friends who in the past actually has led you astray again and again and be like, this time I'm sure I'll be fine. Don't be so stupid. Don't trust your own hearts that much. Don't hang out on late online on social media or whatever following link which leads to link which leads to link, assuming that it's all going to be fine. You, you guys get the point. Have a healthy distrust of your own hearts. Now, there's some application as we think about the fact that actually we have hearts that are evil and bent towards sin, right? There's some application. There's one more thing that I want us to see in the Bible tonight. And guys, this is so important, so huge that you have to get a hold of it. And so if you've heard nothing else, please, please, I beg you, just hear this. Here it is. Jesus offers to completely wash away our sin. Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with me. Flick in your Bibles if you've got them, and please bring them if you didn't bring them this week. Um, it's going to be up on the screen as well, because I just didn't want anyone to miss this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Now, as, G- as Paul writes this letter, he starts off, and he kind of covers the same ground that Jesus already covered. He says in verse 9, Well, don't you know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? So he's saying, sinners don't really belong in heaven. God won't tolerate sin, right? Verse 9. And then he gives us another list, just like Jesus did in Mark chapter 7. He says, Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. You know what all these words mean now, which is fun. Um, uh, Neither men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So he's saying, on their own, sinners don't belong in heaven. They won't inherit the kingdom of God, right? But look at what Jesus does. Verse 11, go next slide. Check out Jesus. He says, that's what some of you were, but you were washed. That means that your sin has been dealt with, washed away completely. You are sanctified. That means you are holy in God's sight. God sees you with the holiness that only Jesus has. He sees Jesus' life in your place, perfect obedience. He says you are justified. That means God is no longer angry. Sin is done with punishment paid. You are free justified as if you had never sinned how did all of that happen he says at verse 11 in the name of our lord jesus christ and by the spirit of our god that's what jesus does that's what jesus does for sinners like you and me he deals with it done paid for as if we'd never sinned in the first place and it's not like He just deals with our past record of sin. It's not like Jesus is like, what's that? You're a sinner. Here's a fresh set of clothes. Now make sure you don't go muck them up again and get them dirty. No, no, he actually says, you're washed, you're clean, and you'll stay that way. And so if you're a Christian, if your trust is in Jesus, your sin is paid for your past, even your present right now, and whatever's coming in the future. That's actually dealt with by Jesus' death on the cross. The stain of sin is washed away, never to return again. And all of that is yours, guys, if you had just come to Jesus and asked for forgiveness in God. That's as simple as that. Turn back to God, say, sorry for the way I've been living. Please forgive me, please wash me of my sin in Jesus. And he does. 
It's possible, guys, that you might have walked in those doors here tonight, stained with sin that you might not have even realised was there, but if you put your trust in Jesus tonight, you can walk back out those doors and hang out, washed permanently of your sin, so that you are right with God, spotless and blameless. That can happen in a moment. That can happen in one night as you sit and you come to a decision to no longer just keep living the way you are, but actually trust in Jesus and ask for forgiveness and he'll wash you, he'll do it. That's what becoming a Christian is. The guilt of your sin is dealt with, it's washed away. And guys, the opposite of that is also true. So, if you have not come to Jesus and had him wash away your sin by his death and resurrection, if you've not put your trust in him for that, you need to know that you are still guilty of whatever it is your past record leaves behind you. That's still there and it will remain while ever you stay unforgiven. Unless you come to Jesus, unless you put your trust in him, well, God sees your record for what it is. Now, it's heavy, I realise that, but that's what the Bible says. Now, guys, I'm going to pray in a second. Now, we don't do this every week, um, but I'm actually going to invite you tonight to put your trust in Jesus and have your sin washed away. And so if you want to do that, I'm going to pray three things. I'm going to pray, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm going to pray, pray please wash me clean by Jesus. And I'm going to say, please help me to now live following him. If you want to do that, then make this your prayer. You can do that tonight. Let's pray. God, we are sorry for our sin and the way we've done so many things that hurt others and have offended you. Please forgive us through Jesus and wash us clean. Father, please now help us to live with Jesus as our Lord, the one we follow, and our Saviour. Thank you for Jesus. Amen.